0: the truth. All right, everybody. So we're back with Tanoa. Um today we're going to be discussing uh the parallels of what what's going on today in society and Israel, correct? Yeah, yeah. And and so, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, go ahead.
1: So a lot of a lot of the, the scripture, uh, a lot of the the context or the or the or the um the abstract, uh, uh, elements of the, of the story are actually manifesting themselves today. And, and I wanted to point out some of these things so that you can actually see some of the things that I, that I've been seeing for quite some time here. Um, this is, this is something I've been wanting to do for, for quite a while. And I just haven't really felt like it was the right time. And, and today's the right time. Today is, is, is the time I feel it. So, um, I'm going to have to move quickly, so there's going to be some some Bible uh, context or, or or things that I'm going to just assume that you're that you're going to know. Anybody that understands the Bible or that has read the Bible, they're going to quickly catch on to, to to these things, and and so I'm going to I'm going to just just put it out as uh, as it relates to today and and the and the elements of today. So uh-huh, in the Bible, there were basically two different groups of people, right? There were the Jews and there were the Gentiles. Okay, the Jews we know were the judges, right? Jesus himself calls them judges. You you, you filthy judges, you. You uh, cleanse the outside of your cup, but you leave the inside filthy dirty, right? And then the Gentiles, they were the enemies of the Jews, right? They were the filthy, dirty sinners, the ones that that uh, that, that, that had no faith, right? Now, what happened, remember, in the story was, it was the Jews who were supposed to be the people of God, right? They are supposed to be the, the, the people of God. And as a result of being given the law, they didn't have faith in the law. They lost, they lost faith, and it took the faith of the Gentiles, the filthy sinners, To be able to reconcile the jews back to god that's the whole story okay so one thing that that i want to start out with is that our united states supreme court it met for the first time on february 1st 1791 and in what was called the royal exchange building in new york city okay now the royal exchange building was where they bought and sold slaves okay and it is today, uh, there's a, there's a, a, a building that's in its place and it's a very well-known building known, known as the New York Stock Exchange. And it is at the corner of Broad and Water Street. Okay. Now the Bible says Broad and Wide is the, is the road that leads to destruction and many are on it. Right. So we know that Broad Street is in fact a road to destruction. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, so the way that, that what happened with Israel and, and Judah in particular was they were worshiping many gods, not one true God, but many gods. Okay. So they had a religion, the Syrians they came in and the Syrians were known as the fathers of modern day terrorism, right? They, they taught, they taught all about terrorism. They were horrible, horrible people that, they, they, they would skin their people alive and, and uh, their enemies alive. And they just did horrible, awful things. So they were really the fathers of, uh, of modern day terrorism. So, they had a religion that was known as Baal, B-A-A-L, right? The English translation is Bell. okay? So here in America, if we were rebelling, of course, we we're waiting for the great rebellion, and we would be doing this all over again. So it's a worship of many gods. And what they did was they would set up a temple in every single city, and then they would place a false god, not a true god, but a false god into it, and they would make you worship that false god, okay? Now, <clears throat> the Assyrians, they had a religion that was known as the court religion. And if you worshipped, you would worship in a house, courthouse. Okay, so we've got these similarities, and all of this can be you can you can you can study this. You can look it up; it's all accurate. So they would uh, they were based upon human sacrifice. So once again, you would enter into the into the courthouse, and uh, you would practice religion, and the religion would then require you you to sacrifice yourself, human sacrifice, and that was a way in which they would reconcile you back to God. So, but what you were doing was you were actually worshiping a false god, not the one true God. So. Here in America, we have one nation under God, right? So our nation is known as one. And then uh, in the Bible, it also says, I and the Father are one, right? And it says, I'm going to make you into a great, powerful nation in the future, right? We are a great and powerful nation, right? So we're the nation of one. That's where truth and justice came together and, or, uh, yeah, truth and justice came together and they made one, right? And so um, when you uh, when you consider the fact that this is one nation, we are in the Father, and the Father is in us, right? And then he would produce the law. So in the Bible, you actually have a couple of different Jesuses, right? You have the first Jesus that you find in the Synoptic gospels, but then you have another Jesus that kind of shows up in the book of Romans, and that is Christ Jesus. Nobody's really known what Christ Jesus is, but it says that he died in shame, but he was raised in glory. And of course, our our, our country is known as glory. So what it says specifically in Romans is it says, I will raise up another from among the people, and I will adopt him into sonship. Well, God's the giver of the laws. The Bible says that God's the giver of laws. He gave us one set of laws years and years ago, the Son and Jesus Christ, and here's the laws, and it wasn't followed. But now there's another set of laws that, that that have come down. And it's a law that was adopted. And so our Constitution was adopted on September 15th, 1787, right? We raised it up. There have been two countries in the history of the world that have been dedicated to God, right? There was the country of Israel that was created by God for God. And then there was the country of us and we were created and dedicated our country to god from our inception out of love and faith in god so it's our faith and the faith in in what he gave us that law that the rules over us that will reconcile us back right so when i was in prison and i was telling everybody you need to have faith in that constitution i said you need to have faith in the words that it says because by its execution it will raise all of you up to clean status okay so that being said the Tower of Babylon. So the Assyrians, their capital city was known as Babylon. Okay. Now, uh, Babylon is, uh, is, is an interesting name because Jesus calls it out in a number of different ways. He says that, that the pagans, that, that the priests, that they're babbling on with many words and as if they're going to be heard, right? And when you talk about these judges and the babbling on that they do to try to convince you that you don't actually get what you are, are clearly told that you got within the Constitution, that's babbling on, right? And in the Bible, he also says that you take the, the seat of honor in the synagogue, right? Well, they've got the seat of honor. They've named themselves honor as well. I mean, it, it, all of this is pointing to a very specific group. And, and that, other, uh, that other parable or, uh, that, that Jesus has where it says that, that you hypocrites, you cleanse the outside of your cup, but the, you leave the inside of the dish dirty, right? And, he, and he, he crosses between those two. He says cup, and then he says dish. And if we know that the judges are Jews, and we know that they're a dish, well, now we know judicial. And we have an indication of, of what it is that we're talking about today, right? We have context. We have, we have an understanding. That's, what I'm doing here is I'm actually using what's called sound sound uh, uh, technique. So in the book of, of, um, of 1 Corinthians, it's a 1 Corinthians 3, it, uh, Paul actually talks about this. He says that this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by a spirit, explaining spiritual truths, that those who are not spiritual think that it's foolish because it can only be discerned by the spirit. Jesus called it sound words, right? The Hebrew is called a parallelism. But what it is, is it's it's a way of writing in which when you write something, right, a, 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 a sentence, all human wisdom or all, all human reasoning will tell you that it means something very specific. But if you change your perspective slightly on it, it becomes something completely different. And a great example would be the throne of God, right? When we write about the throne of God, we instantly think, okay, that's a chair that a king sits on, right? And all human wisdom and reason will tell you that that's what that is. And you're correct that that is what it is. But why would God be writing about a chair that you sit on when he himself doesn't have a body to sit on it? He must be speaking about something else because this is a book that's written for spiritual beings, by spiritual beings, to bring us to a spiritual ascension or ascension. So a throne, when you change yourself slightly, or your perspective slightly, a throne is actually a, a third-tier ranking angel, right? So now the throne of God becomes something vastly different than what you were looking at before, and now it has a spiritual context to it. So that would be parallelism, right? That would be sound words. It sounds like something else, and and, and you're able to key in on it. So now the Tower of Babylon, because we're waiting for the, for the fall of the Tower of Babylon in Revelations. It says that the that the prostitute will, the whole world will get drunk off the sins of the prostitute. We have coronavirus that's out here right now, right? We have America that's sold him, that sold itself into uh, into into prostitution and prostitute our country out more than than we can, we can even, even know. I mean, and uh, so we're waiting for this, for this fall of the tower. So the tower of Babylon was actually what's called a ziggurat, right? Mm The ziggurat is it's rectangles. Each one's getting smaller and smaller or, or as it goes up. Right. So the way that this, that the story goes, the tower of Babylon is it is that we built from the ground up, to the heavens to try to build ourselves into heaven. We're trying to build our our, our way there. Well, Paul says that when you w- when you do that, you're actually bringing you're, you're bringing uh, uh, you're killing Jesus because you're actually bringing him up to heaven. We're supposed to have our foundation in heaven and bring it down to us. So let me show you something here. Okay, so this is the difference between legal realism and government of laws. So remember, a government of laws is that law is not supposed to be um, that law is supposed to be based upon a formal set of rules or principles. It's not supposed to be arbitrary, but it's supposed to be based upon a formal set of rules and principles in which the courts and people adhere to and in which every United States citizen is accustomed to. OK, the foundation is supposed to be the Constitution of the United States and driving from it comes all laws. And that's the way we're supposed to be. We're to be ruled over by laws as opposed to by man. OK, so the opposite of the government of laws is legal realism. OK, legal realism is the belief that law is not based upon a formal set of rules or principles, but instead upon judicial decisions. Driving from their own social, political, or public policy. So this is the difference, okay? We are known as the, as, the, as the twin tower nation. We all know that, okay? So if we were to build, if we were to build today a Tower of Babylon, do you see that? If we were to build a Tower of Babylon, it would be squares that are in different shapes, right? Ascending up. Law has its own hierarchy, Okay? Let's go over that hierarchy real quick. So, you have the Constitution is the foundation. It's the first one, right? From the Constitution would come treaties, then, would come statutes, then, would come ordinances, and then regulations. So that would be the hierarchy of law. But this is, this is positive law. So positive law is law in a written form that's written by a group of, of men that are constituted, legally constituted, to be able to create law. So that would be legislators and lawmakers, right? So this is all positive law. It's law in a written, positive form. Okay. Now underneath positive law is what's called negative law, obviously, okay? So negative law is law that is not in a written form, It's not created by people that are legally constituted to be able to do it. This is known as common law. Okay? Common law. So common law is actually the lowest form of law. And the reason why it's the lowest form is because it's created by a body of men that's not legally constituted to be able to do so. Remember, judges don't make laws. They make rulings. Okay? So the very bottom of this common law is made up of a huge body of law known as judge-made rulings or case law. Right.
0: Hmm.
1: So when we look at the hierarchy of law, the highest form or the foundation is supposed to be the Constitution. The lowest form, which is the law itself, is case law, judgment rulings. OK, so that's the difference. The opposite ends, ends of the spectrum, Constitution, case law. Now, <clears throat> this being the um, um, this the uh, the structure of law look at it from here. So now you have case law down here at the bottom and it builds up to the constitution. Okay. This is be case law. It's the constitution. What we have today is if I were to raise a, a question as to whether or not I I'm entitled to a right secured by the constitution of the United States, what is it that those judges go to, to determine whether or not I have that, right? They mm-hmm. go to case law, right? They don't go to the Constitution. They go to case law, and they say, you don't get this right because this case said you don't, right? So what's the foundation? What are they using as the foundation? They're using case law as the foundation, not the Constitution. They're using case law as the foundation. That's the wrong. That's the wrong foundation. We're supposed to have all law derived from the Constitution of the United States, right? So if you were to flip this over.
0: But isn't isn't the judge making an interpretation of the Constitution?
1: No. They're relying upon the flawed decision of the judge that came before them. Judges, judges' oaths are supposed to be with and to the Constitution of the United States directly. They are supposed to go to the Constitution, rely upon it to make their determination, not rely upon the, the flawed decision of the judges that came before him or the flawed decision of the judges that came before him. They're relying upon judges to make the determination. They're relying upon man to make a determination and not upon this. Where, where
0: would an example of that be that that? Would, would, would Roe versus Wade be a good example of
1: that? Well, Roe versus Wade is kind of difficult because it's not actually written in the Constitution. I, we can go off of just facial issues like the grand jury. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good example. The, the okay. Constitution of the United States, Clause 1, Amendment 5 says no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless in the presentment or indictment of a grand jury. That's clear. You have to have a presentment or indictment of a grand jury in order to hold someone over for a trial for an infamous crime. That's clear. Okay. Right. So when I read that, that says to me, I'm entitled to this. Why didn't I get it? So when I filed a written allegation against the state of Washington saying, why didn't I get this? The state of Washington says, because the Fifth Amendment doesn't apply to us because of this case. Hurtado versus California. And, and Hurtado versus California exists because of Barron versus Baltimore. So you see, we have all these flawed foundations. You know, we, we, mm-hmm. have, we have the judges that went awry in the early 1800s that made flawed decisions and now we built this whole temple of justice upon these flawed foundations upon these flawed decisions and they're just putting band-aids on them you know i mean right now today right now today not no one is entitled to the to, to the bill of rights right because there's still one provision left in the bill of rights left to be incorporated okay the last uh the last um provision that was incorporated was in uh 2018 it was the um the Eighth Amendment's uh, excessive fines clause, and what it it was Tims versus Indiana. And what they said within it was they said the privileges and immunities of United States citizens are at a minimum those enumerated in the Bill of Rights, given their legal effect against interference by the states due to their codification within the Constitution's text. So what they're saying is that if it's written in the Constitution, that is a privilege and immunity. That you're entitled to as the united states citizen and that's why the 14th amendment says that, that no state shall deprive any person of the privileges immunity secured by the constitution so we're not to have any privileges and immunities. now the problem is is that when they made that ruling they failed to recognize the fact that there's still one provision left to be incorporated and that provision is going to result in a mass exodus to the prison system and that is the indictment by a grand jury there's one provision left to be incorporated once that's done then guess what for the first time in the history of america United States citizens will be guaranteed all the rights secured by and enumerated in the Constitution mm-hmm. of the United States, regardless of where they choose to reside within the jurisdiction of the United States. That's never happened before in the history of our country, but this case right here, it can do it. Right? We can do it, and we you know, and we're we're going to do it because because this is this is what we're we're destined to do.
0: It's the right way, right? right. Amen. So, so we're the Twin Towers. Yes. No Twin Towers.
1: So so the way that it's supposed to be. So obviously if. If I'm a judge and I'm making a ruling on this decision right here, what they're doing today is they're going to case law, the lowest form of law, and they're making a determination as to whether or not I have that right, and that decision from that judge is then able to alter or amend the Constitution of the United States because the Constitution is not supreme law of land because guess what? They're relying upon judicial decisions to determine whether or not you have a right secured by and enumerated in the Constitution of the United States. So the judges today are able to alter, amend, and destroy the Constitution based upon their rulings. You can you can come up with any ruling you want based upon that judge's in, in, in interpretation or desire within that case. You can come up with anything you want. There's plenty of cases that say that you get a grand jury. There's plenty of cases that say that you can't. So this is what we have today. And now notice, just like a Ziggurat is, it is rectangles that are getting smaller as they as they build up in a in a pyramid shape. Right. Mm-hmm. So. the way that it's supposed to have been built is the constitution is the foundation, right? The constitution is at the bottom and then it goes to treaties and then it goes to statutes and then it goes to ordinances and then it goes to regulations. Hmm. And then you have this huge body of law here called common law. And in common law, you have all of these, all of these individual cases, right? All these individual cases, millions of cases. Hmm. Each representing what? A sinner. Each representing one filthy, dirty Gentile. You got the same problem down here. You got all of these sinners down here, all these filthy sinners that are in prison right now, that the system's na- labeled bad, terrible, awful. But you know, the Bible says itself that. Where there is no sin, there cannot be guilt, right? So in 2 Thessalonians, we're waiting for the man of lawlessness to come. What is lawlessness? It's the absence of law, right? And where judges are making laws that are outside of the Constitution, that is lawlessness. Because it's not built upon what it's supposed to be built upon. This is lawlessness. That's what Mm -hmm. this is. And now we have judges that are setting themselves up in the courthouse They're getting you to worship them, a false god, and saying, listen to me, my word, and what I say. Don't listen to the one true god that rules over you, the Constitution of the United States. Listen to me and what I say, and I'll give you your, your, your sacrifice. We'll send you to prison, right? In 2 Thessalonians, it also says that he set himself up in the temple claiming to be God, equal to God, even at times claiming to be God. These guys are saying that they can change the Constitution of the United States. They're saying that the law comes from them. Not from us. We make the laws. We do. Laws come from us. We need to remember that, because when they set themselves up in the courthouse, representing God, saying that they make the laws and not us, and then get us to worship them, well, we see what what happens here. You we know what's in- built is built falsely. It's built With- incorrectly. So we have the tw- the twin towers here. They're opposing, opposite, like mirror, right? And you see them in opposite directions. So it took me a long time to figure this out. There's two different groups of, uh, of descendants that, that Abraham had. One was I'll make your descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore slavery built on denial. Each one of these represented grain of sand. And later on, it says I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, right? Up here, cleansed, and so on. And so I was wondering, well, how, how is it that this can flip over to this? How can we do that? How can we make the temple do that? well, Just like it says, Jesus said, when you build your house upon the sand of the seashore, when the storm comes, it's going to collapse. If you would have built it upon the rock, the bedrock of our nation, the Constitution of the United States, it would have stood, right? Storm's coming, right? And what's going to happen when the storm comes? The storm is all of us. We're bringing the storm. When the storm comes, what's going to happen? Well, first, the Constitution is going to fall down to the bottom. Then, treaties are going to fall on top of it. then, statutes, ordinances, regulations, all these are going to fall over one by one by one as we're rebuilding back up. And the last thing to come up is all Mm -hmm. these sinners, right? All these people to meet the Lord up in the air, just like Mm -hmm. the Bible says. So when you execute the Lord of our land, right, the supreme law of our land, when we execute our Lord, execute the law, then by its execution, these sinners won't be sinners anymore. They're going to be raised up to new life. They're going to be raised up to life. They're going to be cleansed of their sins. And guess what? It will be the faith of the sinners, the faith of the Gentiles, that's going to bring these Jews back into compliance. That's the whole story, guys. That's the whole story. This temple, just like Jesus said, it'll be rebuilt in three days. This will be rebuilt in three days, guys. Each one of these is just going to fall one by one. We're going to realize that none of these laws derived from the Constitution of the United States. Every single law that we built here in this country, has been built upon something other than Constitution. You know why? Because the Constitution says that every man is free. So why is it that we're locking people up? Hmm. We're locking people up because one out of 100. Because of Egypt, because of this right here. You guys, when you, when you consider the fact that I met God while I was in prison, I mean, that, that, that's, where I, that's where I got to know Him. That's where I learned the things I've learned. That's everything that, that I've come to know. I learned from that, from that place there. And where does God live? Mm He doesn't live in hell. So where's heaven's army coming from? Those guys that are in prison right now, they're not what you think that they are either. Because those guys, those guys are chosen to be there because the Bible says that God only punishes. He only corrects those that he loves. And if you're not corrected by your heavenly father, you are an illegitimate child. Those guys that are getting corrected, you're getting corrected because they've been chosen to be there. Mm -hmm where Evan, Evan's heaven's coming from that's the army that i mustered that's the army that's going to take this down we just need to believe in it when you believe that this can happen this is this is the bible it's the whole thing the book of romans happening today we're we're meant to be the the light of the world and uh and i think it's it's time that we we live up to it um you know we've got the great rebellion right now we are rebelling we, we're setting up these temples uh, in every single city of a courthouse and getting the people to worship a one, a false God. And what we need to do is when you stop listening to that false God and the words that he says, when you start listening to the Supreme law of the land, the one that the Lord's over us, the one true law of this nation. Bible also says, it says a man will leave his father and mother and he will become united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Hmm. United States. He became united to his wife and the two become one flesh, one nation. That's what we are, guys. Under God. We are the body of Christ. We're rising up. And let's do this. Because I'm ready to see my
0: kids. <laughs> I know that's right, partner. Yeah. I know that's, that's right, man. And that's what it's all about, you know, at the end of the day. Thank you for, for, for that, Tana Wall. That's, uh, so, these
1: are two different. And this, is, this took me a long time to figure this out. Because I drew this drawing, actually, in prison five years ago. Or four years ago. And I didn't know what it was when I drew it. And about six months ago, I figured out what it was. And once again, so these are the two different towers. This tower right here, it represents the the um, legal realism. The judges are making the laws. That law is not based upon a formal set of rules or principles, but instead upon judicial decisions. So rules is not based upon the Constitution, but instead upon judicial decisions, driving from their own social, political, or public policy. This is judicial realism, legal realism. It's it's false. It's not real. Okay? Now, what we were supposed to be is the government of laws, which is, government of laws is constitutionally based. It's built upon the theory that in order for laws to be legitimate, they must be considered just and equal. This is the egalitarianism approach, which our constitution is framed upon. But in order for all men to be equal, government and laws must first treat them equal. This is the way our system is designed to work, based upon a formal set of rules and principles. So this is government of laws. This is the way it's supposed to be. We've got the smallest group of law down at the bottom, and everything derives from the Constitution, the rock of our nation, the bedrock of our nation. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it actually is today.
0: Mm.
1: We've got the two towers and we need to flip them over because what we have is wrong. We've built up to heaven and the tower of Babylon falls. When you build up to heaven, you've got to build with your foundation in heaven. Build it down. And then it'll say. The stay.
0: age of Aquarius. Don't they say that, that Jesus would return in the, in the sign of the fish in the time of the water?
1: Yeah. He He's back. <laughs> so you got to understand that they, God manifests himself in different ways to different people based on what you need. I preach justice. That's what God is to me. So when I talk about justice, the reason why I'm so passionate about it, the reason why I love it so much is because that's what God is to me. Mm. And his son is the loss. His son is the the one that gives me power every single day to speak the things I'm speaking and to have the power to say the things I'm saying. And it's taking the power away from those judges because when you abuse the powers that you're given in order to offend the very object that affords you your powers, you become an enemy of that object and his wrath is unavoidable. You've got to know what it is when you take an oath to, to represent something, you better know what it is that you're representing. Because if you don't, then guess what? <laughs> this wrath is unavoidable. And right now the constitution is on our side. So what do side. we
0: what do we what do we say, while well, to the person that listened to this and and is just completely blown away by the conversation and in the sense that to them it's just a courtroom that convicts criminals. Like, what is this guy talking about? You know, religion it's and something. spiritual. And it's just a courtroom with judges that just people go out and commit crimes and they get fined and this is what they deserve. And they get sentenced and they go to jail.
1: So, um, what I would say is that, is that if we're going to look at it, continue to look at it from a scriptural perspective, which we should, you have the old Testament, right? That's the old Testament. It's the legal rules, the legalism. Here's the law, obey the law, right? If you don't obey the law, then you go to hell, right? You die. That's, that's, that's your punishment. No no matter what sin you sin, you die. You become a sinner. Okay. Because it says that, that, that we are, we're dead in our sins, right? So we die once we become a sinner. You go through court, you, you die. You no longer have love and no, love is no, no, no longer shared with you, okay? So the Old Testament was all about obeying the loss, right? And then all of a sudden, you shift into this New Testament, right? And we have something new that comes along, something that's not here yet, right? And what it is, is it's love. It's, it, it's, it's, that, it's that, that object, that, that thing that we're about to have any moment, right? And the New Testament, if we didn't, if we didn't know about this, the, the New Testament, if we didn't study it, then we wouldn't understand that he said that there's one law that we're to follow, one law, right? And that's the law of love. Because if, if you love each other, if you love your neighbor, are you going to steal from him? If right. you love your neighbor, are you going to rob from him? Are you going to discover it with his wife? Are you going to murder it? No. All of the commands are summed up in this one law, and it's the law of love. That's what he says. You have to love. So the problem is, is that our laws have gotten so complex that you can't follow them, Right? And even uh, Thomas Jefferson, he said, if the laws were so vol- voluminous that, that you have to have a doctorate degree in order to understand them, then how can you possibly be required to obey them? Right? right? If you don't know that you break the law because it's written so so incoherently that you can't understand it, then guess what? You can't hold someone accountable to the violation of the law. The majority of these people don't even know that they broke the law. They don't know. Right? They don't know. They don't know. Because... We're taking advantage of them. We're taking advantage of the fact that they're illiterate. We're taking advantage of the fact that, that they're scared. We're taking advantage of the fact that they've never known freedom and they've always been oppressed. We're taking advantage of the poor within our society and we're sending them off to prison so that they can die so we can generate revenue so that the government can make money off of them.
0: And then turn around and say ignorance is, is not excusable.
1: So you got to look at the, at the shift. There's a shift, a clear shift. And it went. And, it, and Jesus came back and he said himself, he said, forget the law. You don't have to obey the law anymore. All you got to do is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, what Jesus was pointing out to us right there and then, he caught it, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, and then go and love your neighbor as you love yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Love yourself first, and then go out and love your neighbor. That's what he's saying. Inside of us is that love, every single one of us, right? Because God's love, it's inside of us, right? It's not something that you that you give or that you get, right? We're not looking for it out in the world. We don't we don't just give it because someone else is giving it to us because that's a transaction. It's something that you give, right? And you give it freely. You don't expect anything in return. And so if you expect someone to love you back or to forgive you before you forgive them, then guess what? That's not love. It doesn't work that way.
0: That's right. God
1: said that you have to, Forgive in order to be forgiven. So if you want to be forgiven yourself, it doesn't matter whether they're asking for it. It doesn't matter whether they, they deserve it. What matters is that you're going to do it for yourself. Because once you forgive, you let go of all that toxicity that exists. And guess what? The moment that that happens, it breaks all the chains of all the forgiveness. And you realize that I was only doing what God needed me to do to get to this place right now. And if I was doing it and I did all these bad things and he forgave me, then guess what? There's nothing that anyone has ever done in your life that they are not forgiven for it as well. And that's the way that forgiveness works. It's an amazing thing.
0: But you and, have and to when, and when you it. get into that cycle, man, everything changes, you know. So Tanawa, thank you so much, man, for for uh, this elaborate discussion and and and, God, and oh, I'm
1: falling, brother. It's falling.
0: Well, it's, it's just eye opening because the parallels, like you say, is is you whether you you believe in religion or not, you could see a structure. You could see that these people have structured this whole evolution of our judicial system in, in a way that it's it's like a religion of its own. You know, it's, it's
1: it's it's the Assyrian religion, brother. It's the Assyrian religion. These are they're these are following the Assyrians. The, the judges are. In fact, the, the, the priests of the Assyrian, uh, um, of the Assyrians, the priests, they wore long black robes, just like the long black robes we have today. The priests of, of the Assyrian religion, the Baal religion, wore long black robes.
0: Mm. Mm, I mean, mm, mm.
1: they worshipped in a court or there was court religion worshipping in a house. I mean, you can't get much more direct than that. Look at what these guys are doing, right? Look at Look at what God's... Divine attributes are, forgiveness of sins. Right? You don't need to be reminded your sinner because guess what? You're for, you're forgiven already. Right? Release the prisoners. Lighten the yoke of those who work among you. These are the things that God wants. Right? These are the things that. No, well, asking. none of
0: that happens through the court. I can promise you that.
1: And the opposite is what they're asking. They're saying, "No, lock them up." They're saying, oh, "There are prisoners." Right? They're saying, "There are slaves." Right? They're saying, "We're going to remind you that you're a sinner every single day for the rest of your life because guess what? You're not forgiven." Every single thing <laughs> that they're advocating is inconsistent with God. Mm. So what are they?
0: That's a beautiful point, brother. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Thank
1: you, brother. God bless everybody. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, God bless you, man. And and, and uh, for the listeners, um, we need to get to the Sixth Amendment, you know, wrap up the, the Bill of Rights and, and get this in. It's just that so many things happen from day in and day out. You know, when Tanawha is ready, I'm not ready. When I'm ready, he's not ready. It's just... Oh.
1: Don't put the blame on you, brother. It, this is this, this on me. Well, Guys, no, it's it's I, I, me been, too.
0: It's me too. I've been
1: struggling, you know, the last few weeks because uh, you know, not just the children thing. It, 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 what happened after after my wife, um, my wife found out that I would the that the children had talked to me, and she immediately went out and filed for another no contact order. Um, mm-hmm. she did this because because she doesn't want me talking to them because she's afraid that they might find out the truth, and that's going to hurt her and hurt her relationship. But I can't control that. But like, the thing is, is that she has this habit of not notifying the other party of, of, of the complaint. Mm. I didn't receive a complaint for the divorce. The divorce proceeding proceeds without me. I never seen paperwork. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a child custody hearing without even notifying me of it. And, I, you know, so by not attending anything can be get, said, you're it, right, it, yeah. it all falls in her favor. So this is the same thing that happened then. She didn't provide me a notification of the complaint. And all of a sudden, I'm handed a 10-year no-contact order that includes my children. And um, so a I've ten been having year, a
0: hard time. A 10-year no-contact order?
1: Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I've been having a little bit of a tough time dealing with, with that. And it's, it's, it's really taken a lot of the wind out of me. So I, I, uh, I know I need to come back, and I'm, I'm just uh, I'm working on it. So,
0: Well, at the, at the end of the day, T, like like we say, you know, all of these are tests. It's just tests you know, the test of faith, test of strength. And, uh, you know, when they told me I had all that time, I knew, I knew I wasn't going to do all that time and I didn't. So no matter what anybody says, we were just, I just had this conversation with somebody earlier today about how people say things that influence us because we believe in our mind that they have the power to do so. Hence, when we go to a doctor's office and a doctor, because We've already subscribed this man as all knowing over our medical conditions and because they have a white coat on, you know, and that's simply what it is. But we have no idea who this person is, who this, who this human being is. We just know that he has a white coat, you know, he tells us that we have a heart condition and six months to live, but that's not set in stone. That's his opinion, but we'll take his opinion, right? Right. And be right. so upset over it that we, 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 we bring our family into it. We go home. Then for the next six months, everybody, you know, the whole vibration changes all because this doctor implemented an opinion in there. You know, he, he don't know that we were going to die in six months. So,
1: yeah, I, I haven't given up hope at all. I mean, you know, it's not what, it, it's not what I mean. It's just, it's just that it, uh, it, it really knocked me down for a little while here. I mean, it, it did, and, and I can't...
0: Well, it's a blow. There's nothing you can do about yeah.
1: that. But, but nonetheless, I recognize the fact that it's a blow that was necessary because, you know, when you look at the butterfly effect, right, that, that something as simple as a flicker of a butterfly's wing in China can cause this cataclysmic chain of events that could lead to a tidal wave in California, right? Mm-hmm. When, when that happens, you're looking at all these individual actions, everything that needs to happen in order to reach that final ending, right? And so if you take out any one of the individual items you know, you have a different ending, right? You mm-hmm. have to have good, you have to have bad, you have to have all these, all these things have to occur in line and they have to occur as necessary because if anyone is taken out, you don't have the same ending, right? So if we're traveling, all of us, we're all moving toward this ending, right? This ending has been promised to us that's going to be good, right? And it's going to be, it's going to be great for, for everyone, not just for me, but for even the people that are persecuting me, right? That means that every single thing has to happen, good and bad, right? Right? Everything has to happen. So C.S. Lewis, he once said, he said that um, he said that, that in order to know what, what it is that you're looking at, you must first know what it is that you see. Right. And he was using the example of a tidal wave. Right. If I look at this tidal wave. Right. From my own perspective, it's just going to be a blue box. I'm not going to have any idea what it is. It's just this little blue box. But when I step back and I look at it from a bigger perspective and I understand, you know, uh, um, the, the elements that's going on now, all of a sudden I realize, OK, this is a tidal wave that I'm looking at. And now I understand what it is that I see, right? Mm-hmm. That's not right there. So if you're looking at him from your own perspective, your own, your own reality, your own existence, then all you're going to see is just this little blue spot. You got to step back and you got to look at the bigger picture. You got to understand that there's lots of things that go into the story, good and bad. And if we take out any one of these elements, I don't know why that person had to be murdered, but that's a necessary step in, in, in reaching this good ending that I just have to accept that I know that God that God knows better than me, right? He knows better than me. And although that's a tragic event, it's ultimately leading to something good. I mean, look at some of the, some of the good things that have come from, from some of the deaths. Like, you know, I mean, John Walsh and his, and his child. We can't say that the child's death was a good thing, but look at the good that was produced from it, right? And so we don't know individually why these things have to happen. All we know and all we can do is have faith that we're all going to that good, that good location and we're all doing our part and if we know that we're all doing our part, then guess what? I don't have to be mad at my ex-wife for the things that she did to me. And I don't have to be mad at the judge who persecuted me during the trial because those people were only doing what they had to do in order to get me to the place that I'm at right now to do what I'm doing. And so if I'm going to be mad at someone, I'd have to be mad at God because they're only doing what God wanted them to do. You know, we have to look Amen, back and look at the bigger picture. If you look at my my situation individually, it, it, it would be tragic. It would be a, a, It would be horrible. But when you step back and look at the bigger picture, you'll see that what was a tragedy for me is going to be a blessing for so many more people. And and that's a good ending. Okay? That's a good ending.
0: Love you guys. Be safe, brother. I'm here if you need me, all right? All right, brother. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you.